This is thatsinthebible.com. That's in the Bible, episode 157, The Unprofitable Servant. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric. Glad you could join us for another episode of That's in the Bible. On this podcast, we take a look at what does the Bible say, and we really look at a variety of issues. If you look at our website or look at the app that you might be listening to us on, you'll see there's a number, well, actually uh, 156 other episodes that talk about a variety of topics. I'm sure as you scroll through, you'll find something that you'll say, hmm... That's in the Bible, and that's why we call it That's in the Bible. And joining me today are two of our founding pastors, Pastor Stephen Bear and Pastor Scott Strobel. Let's go to Pastor Stephen Bear. Pastor Bear, how are you today? I'm doing well. Recovering how from the things? snow. <laughs> Did you guys get a lot of snow? Uh, yeah, a few weeks ago we got uh, over 75 inches of snow. Wow. That, and, that's... Uh, that's over six feet. And uh, I still have uh, snow, even though it's been warm. I mean, it's been in the uh, you know uh, upper 30s, 40s. Even today, I think it might have been up in the 50s. Amen. But most of the gra- most of the my yard is still covered with snow. A lot of the piles are still uh, chest high and so forth. So we still have snow. <laughs> Amen. I know my wife and I went for a walk today. It was uh, I think 50 or low 50 and uh, sunshine and it's like this is february in new york wow this is great amen so how are things at church things are going well and uh praise the lord we're we're getting settled into our our new building and enjoying that and uh having some visitors come and and uh, visit with us which is always encouraging and uh, just hoping and praying that they'll they'll uh, come back, and uh, some of them we've talked to that uh, have assured us that they would. So, uh, some of them have been repeat. So it, it's been been a blessing and so forth. So we appreciate that. Amen. And also joining us, Pastor Strobel from beautiful, and I'm going to go on a limb and say sunny Lockport, New York. Well, you hit it just the right time because it's been cloudy, but the sun is poking through. <laughs> and um, a moment ago, it's temperature said 51 degrees, but since you started talking, it is now 52. So Hey, there we go. All right. So we're starting to wonder, what are we doing inside? <laughs> <laughs> this is Feb- February the 8th in western New York. But yeah. Uh, I would like to just maybe say uh, you mentioned us as being one of the founding pastors, but I'm I'm really not one of the founding pastors. I came on afterwards. I'm kind of like one of the found pastors. (laughs) 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 I remember when you guys were talking to me about this for a while, and I'm like, (laughs) and finally you got me on, and the rest is kicking and screaming, huh? (laughs) We, We we brought you along, yeah. I remember saying to Pastor Barrett, oh, you think Pastor Strobel will come on? And he goes, well, we can ask. And uh, He kind of got me on by proxy at first, took one of the Sunday school message. Yep, uh, The true. one on Easter. When you Easter, come through that's and, right. And asked me about using that, so I guess that eased me into it. 
It did. You, you saw there was nothing bad happening. <laughs> and, uh, well, or maybe I've gone too far with this, that comment. Well, the, <laughs> at first I thought there was nothing bad happening. Then I listened to some of the old <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> well, one, one of the old clips in particular. One of, one of Steve's favorite. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. But it's no, it's been a blessing. And, the, and you were really doing this before podcasts were popular. Yeah, way um, back in 2009. Yeah. And uh, Pastor Matt Sutton, who's up in the Arctic, is a missionary to Point Hope, Alaska, way up there, is um, not able to be with us today. We're, we're trying to work him back in as uh, much as we can figure it out. So hopefully he'll be joining us again soon. Um, but again, I'd like to mention if you'd like to hear a specific topic that uh, we haven't covered or some, maybe some more explanation on a topic that we have you can certainly email us at that's in the Bible at gmail.com, all one word. Other than that, Steve, are you are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Amen, guys. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, uh, for this uh, podcast called The Unprofitable Servant, I'd like for you to turn to two different places. I'd like for you to turn to Matthew chapter 25 and Luke chapter 19. And while you're turning there, let me go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, just for this opportunity. Lord, it's a blessing, Lord, to be able to proclaim and preach and teach your word. And uh, Lord, I, I consider it a great privilege and a great honor and uh, a great responsibility. And I don't take it lightly. Ask God that you'd please guide and direct and help me to say the things that you want me to say. Pray that your spirit would move uh, in whoever and whenever uh, people listen to this uh, podcast and pray that it might accomplish something in them and uh, minister to them and encourage them and strengthen them and help them. Uh, Lord, uh, pray that uh, if there's someone that's never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, that today would be the day that they trust Jesus Christ and have the forgiveness of sins and have the gift of eternal life. And know that they'll be able to spend eternity with thee in heaven. So, Lord, we ask your blessing upon this time, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. <clears throat> Two places that we're turning to, Matthew chapter 25 and Luke chapter 19. I want to draw your attention, first of all, to Matthew. And uh, turn there and uh, turn to verse 14. And we'll read a portion of scripture there says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his, his own servants, and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took he his journey, took his journey. Then he that uh, had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that ha had uh, received two, <coughs> two <coughs> he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, 
saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five uh, talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me <clears throat> two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received one, uh, the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, <clears throat> thou knowest, or knewest, that I reap where I sowed not, and gather uh, where I have uh, not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine, uh, mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For, every, uh, for unto every one that has shall be given, and he that ha uh, have a, uh, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now let's go ahead and take a, and go over and see the companion passage, which is found in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. <clears throat> let's pick it up in verse 11. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because uh, he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they, uh, they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. And he said, Therefore a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return, called his ten servants, and delivered uh, them ten pounds, and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him, and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man reign over us. It came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, and he, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good, good servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little, have thou authority over ten cities? 
And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou over five cities. And the other, uh, and another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up where thou layest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou, O thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I, wa, uh, that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou thy, uh, my money unto the bank, into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury? He said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. <clears throat> for I uh, for I say unto you, that unto every one which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies, which would not that I should would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. Now. When you get to these two passages of scriptures, and then you could say in a sense they are companion passages, but most commentators, those who comment on this passage, whether they're scholars or preachers, try to make these two passages the same parable, and they are not. They are not the same. There are many notable differences between them, and we're going to go through a few of these here. The first one in Matthew is, is talking about the kingdom of heaven. And obviously the one in Luke is talking about the kingdom of God. Now if you're not familiar with the difference there, let me just give you a very short and brief uh, description of the two so that you can understand that they are not the same. The kingdom of heaven is a literal kingdom with a king sitting on a throne. Uh... Jesus Christ said, uh, talking to Pilate, uh, when he's talked about his kingdom and so forth, he says, my kingdom is not of this world, else would my servants fight. And it wasn't at that time that his servants were going to fight, because he was going go to go to the cross. But uh, they will fight at another time, and that's found in Revelation chapter 19, when Christ uh, comes to claim his throne and rules on the earth for a thousand years, sitting on a throne, and his kingdom, this kingdom, obviously, is promised to the Jews. And so whenever you read about the kingdom of heaven, you know that it has a Jewish flavor to it. The kingdom of God, on the other hand, is not a physical kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom. If you were to take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, pick it up in verses 20 and 21. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, 
he answered and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. It's not physical. Neither shall they say, Lo here, or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Uh, kingdom of God is within you. There will be a time when we will see this kingdom, but it's not now. Uh, you remember reading in John chapter 3 and verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, that's not a contradiction. It's just a matter of time and timing. We're not seeing the kingdom of God now because it's a spiritual kingdom that lives within, within us. Uh, take a look in Romans chapter 14. Just for another thing, Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, physical, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. But just to say, as a matter of time, we will be able to see that kingdom when the Lord returns in the rapture. We will be able to see that kingdom of God being there with the Lord. So it's just a matter of time. It's just, it's not a contradiction like I mentioned before. Matthew, again, describing the difference between these two passages of Scripture that people try to make the same. In Matthew, it gives, uh, talks about the, 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 the monetary measure being a talent, which is a Jewish weight or a Jewish de uh, denomination, if you will. And uh, in Luke, it is pounds, which is an English weight or an English denomination of currency. And so they're not the same. Matthew deals with three servants only. In Luke, deals with ten servants, uh, three of which he, he uh, points out, but he calls out ten servants and gives each of them a, uh, one talent each. Uh, in, uh, in Matthew, you have uh, the three different servants receiving three different uh, uh denomination or three different amounts that's probably a better way to put it you had uh, one that received five talents one that received two talents and one that received one talent in Luke every one of those ten servants received one talent in Matthew each is given according to his several ability and that's not the, uh, the same in Luke everyone is considered the same in Matthew, uh, he made them ruler over many things. And he said, enter into the joy of thy Lord. In Luke, he made them, uh, uh, made them uh, rulers over a certain amount of cities. One had ruler over ten cities. One had ruler over, was a ruler over five cities. Uh, in Matthew, the unprofitable servant went to hell. In Luke, the unprofitable servant lost reward. Uh, he didn't gain the reward. Uh, just uh, for uh, just to help you to realize that we're talking about something, in, especially in Luke, talking about nowadays, and Paul makes kind of a reference to this. Go to Colossians chapter three, just so that you see that uh, this this principle being played out uh, in Paul's epistles. 
in, in uh, Colossians chapter 3, and let's pick it up in verse 22. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. So it's a matter of reward, a loss of reward in, in Luke. Now, from now on, I want to really just focus on uh, Luke's parable. And I believe that, that it has relevance or application to this day and age in which we're living in. And again, just to clarify, uh, the Jewish uh, number there is, is, is 12. You had the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And so whenever you see the number 12, more than likely it's going to have something to do with the, with the Jewish nation. When you see the number 10, 10 is the number of the Gentiles. And uh, more than likely when you see the number of 10, the 10 servants, the 10 pounds, it is a Gentile measure. And Therefore, it's going to deal with, more likely deal with the church as opposed to the nation of Israel. And so we can make that, that application. Each of them, again, those ten servants, each receiving a pound, uh, those ten pounds being given out, each one receiving a pound, they all receive the same amount. And for those that, that uh, utilize the pound, it's given to them to receive a reward and authority over cities. Undoubtedly, this is probably during this, this reward is coming during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Now, just so that you know, the pound is not a reference to talent, uh, you know, being able to sing or being able to draw or anything like that, or ability or spiritual gifts, uh, or money, or social status, or freedom, or location, intelligence, opportunities. Uh, I was reading along uh, with, uh, one of uh, Dr. Ruckman's books, and he posed this idea as what the pound represented, and I think it's really good. And so I'm going to uh, dispense to you what uh, his idea of it was. He said that the that the pound represented the gospel. And as he put it, every Christian's marching orders is to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And of course, we uh, see this played out in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. We find in Mark the statement where he says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In verse 13 uh, there in Luke, Luke chapter 19, it says, Occupy till I come. Now, anyone that's sitting in a church pew or church chair, or how, however your church is laid up, you, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> you are occupying a space. But that's not what the word occupy means here in this in this particular uh, passage here. It it has a reference to be to do business, 
to negotiate, or in this case, in this application, to spread the gospel. Uh, to get that idea and let you understand that the Bible is its own dictionary and describes or defines the words, I'd like for you to take your Bible and go to Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 27. Ezekiel chapter 27. And you'll see that it has reference to doing business or to negotiate, uh, dealing with people and trading wares, if you will. Take a look in verse 9 of Ezekiel chapter 27. Since the ancients of Gebal and uh, the wise men thereof were in, in thee, thy, uh, thy caulkers, all the ships of the sea with the mariners wherein thee, uh, wherein thee to occupy thy merchandise. Uh, occupy thy merchandise, to do something with it. Take a look in verse 16. Actually, yeah, verse 16. <clears throat> Syria was thy merchant by reason of the multitude of thy wares of thy uh, making, they occupied in thy fairs with emeralds and purple and broidered work and fine linen and coral and agate. So they're trading wares, they're, they're negotiating prices and so forth. Take a look in verse 19. Dan also and Javan, going to and fro, occupied in thy fairs, bright iron, cassia, uh, calamus, uh, were in thy market. And one more, just so that you see it, verse 22. The merchants of Sheba and Ramah, they were thy merchants, they occupied in thy fairs with chief of, the spi of all spices and with all precious stones and gold. So, in other words, to occupy till I come if you're, if you're making that pound uh, the gospel, we are to be out uh, dealing with people and negotiating, if you will, or trying to get across to them the urgency of the need uh, for salvation. Now, with that being said, I don't want to limit this to the number of souls that you've won to Christ. Uh, sometimes people try to put added pressure on people that you need to win people to Christ and then all of a sudden they start making compromises in how the gospel is presented just so that they can get somebody saved. And uh, I'm a firm believer that somebody needs to understand what they're doing and understand what the gospel is instead of just running somebody through a prayer and, and then putting a notch on your belt as if a, a, a soul has been won. We, uh, uh, if you, you need to be faithful in putting out the gospel. Take a look there in, in Luke chapter 19 again in verse 17. And he said uh, unto him, Well, thou good and uh, a good servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little, have thou authority over ten cities. As Jesus Christ put it, he said, you must be about my father, or he must be about his father's business. And as Jesus Christ was busy about his father's business, the question I have for you, are you? Now, if we're not talking about the fact that, you know, the number of souls that you've won to Christ, 
but are you in the process? Are you in the process? Uh, there's there's a lot of processes that go forth before you could reap an ear of corn. There has to be the plowing, turning over the ground and getting the ground ready to receive the seed. Once you've done that, you've plowed and you've disked and you've you've gotten the ground uh, 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 able to receive the seed. Are you planting? Are you planting the seed? Uh, there's there's watering the seed. And then there's reaping the seed. And all of that needs to be done in order for a soul to be saved. And who knows where you are in that process, but are you faithful in putting out the Word of God? Are you faithful in the process? There is a reward for you if you are about the Father's business. And again, conversely, there is a loss of reward if you're not. The unprofitable servant did nothing with the pound, he hid it. And he conjured up some excuse to justify his action, or his actual inaction. And uh, he feared, feared him because he saw his Lord as an hard and austere man. So instead of risking loss of what he had been given, he would hide it, and give it back when his Lord returned. And there are some harsh words that were given to that servant when he called him a wicked servant, uses his own words to condemn him when he says, if you knew that I was that way, that I was a hard and austere man, you could have passively done something with what I gave you. And he gives an instance of putting his money, that, that, that pound, into the bank for it to collect usury or interest and so forth. And, and, and in applying this to the gospel, uh, you may be uh, afraid of, of the Lord, afraid of man, afraid of whatever, and you're not doing anything with, with the gospel that you've been given. You could do something passively with it, for it to earn something, something like giving to missions, where you are giving to missions and you have an indirect uh, 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 a part of someone else reaching people with the gospel. Uh, you know, we need to do something. The Lord takes away that pound and gives it to another, and that person suffers loss because they didn't at least do the minimum of doing something with that. I'll tell you what, this should be a sobering thought for each of us. God forbid that any of us would would be called out as being a wicked servant at the judgment of Jesus Christ because we didn't do anything with the gospel. i tell you what, you, you can do some passive things. Uh, you can leave tracks around. Uh, you know, if you've if you've ever uh, you know gone into uh, a, a restroom someplace uh, in, in a restaurant or something like that, uh, you know you could leave it on the on the uh, uh, toilet paper dispenser there and just leave it for somebody to have some reading material when they come in and do business. Uh, you could leave a gospel track on on a table when you know when you've gone to uh, a restaurant to eat, and you just passively leave a gospel track for the bus boy or for the waitress or waiter to to pick it up and and take a look at it. 
you could hand out gospel tracts. You could you could go on at a street corner with a fistful of tracts and say, hey, could I give you something to read? You know, maybe you're not giving a full-blown gospel presentation to somebody, but at least you could hand out a gospel track. You could put a sign on your car. You could uh, you could uh, uh, put uh, a, a sign in your yard. You're not supposed to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And that's why some people hide the gospel in a napkin. It's because they're ashamed of Jesus Christ. They're ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you what, you could engage in conversation with some people or people that need the Lord's salvation. You can do something like that. Uh, I tell you what, if, if you're maybe not up to talking to somebody, you could be the silent partner of someone that's going door to door. And just be with there as, as, as some, somewhat of a moral support, maybe praying for the person that's doing the conversation, praying for the person that is listening to the conversation about the gospel. You could memorize scripture about salvation. You could be ready at your workplace or in your family, be ready to give an answer to everyone that asketh the reason of the hope that's in you. You know, sometimes people just lay out this this wide open door that all you have to do is step in and <laughs> and just open your mouth and, and say something about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, with that application being said, and I don't want to diminish anything from that application, I think it's a tremendous application, but I want to suggest to you something else that each Christian is given in equal amount. And that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. At the moment of salvation, we are given or and sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That Spirit is given uh, for several reasons. And one is to identify you as God's property. Uh, number two, it's the earnest of the inheritance in other words, the Holy Spirit is the down payments and, and letting us know that the Lord's going to come back and finish the job by redeeming our bodies and giving us a brand new body. Uh, number three is to lead you and guide you into all truth. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. Uh, number four is to teach you. Number five is to comfort you. Number six is to bring things to your remembrance. Number seven, the Holy Spirit inside testifies of Jesus Christ. Number eight, he glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. And number nine, he also produces fruit in a yielded believer. Now, I want you to understand there is the fruit of this world. It's described as works. And there is also the fruit of the Spirit. Take your Bible, if you would, please, and go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, beginning of verse 19. These are the works of the flesh. And of these things, a Christian is capable, and as far as we've seen throughout history, has done these very things. And these are things that we as Christians are to avoid. 
says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, which is wicked sexual desires, uh, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things, notice, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You could lose reward by committing these things. On the contrary part, if you take a look in verse 22, says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If ye live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, again, I'm not going to preach on this, but just want to bring to your to your awareness, if you will. Notice it doesn't say fruits of the Spirit and then list the nine fruits of the Spirit. It is fruit. All nine of those things are the fruit of of the Spirit. And again, just for your education, it's not so much that you have to go and conjure up these things. You find something that you're lacking in this list of nine and just say, okay, I need to work on this. You submitting yourself and living for Jesus Christ, living for the Lord, the Lord begins to work these things in you. And by you living these, or him working these things in you, by living for Jesus Christ, these things emanate from you. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, it says this, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The sad thing is, is that we can resist the Holy Ghost. And we can resist the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Prompting you maybe to improve your Christian life. There are things that we can do to improve our Christian life. The fruit of the Spirit are not those things. But there are other things that the Holy Spirit will uh, prompt us to do. And I'll give an example of that here in a few minutes. But also the fact that we as Christians can, can resist the Holy Ghost. Uh, in Acts chapter 7 verse 51, Stephen speaking to the Pharisees, he says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. And again, there are many Christians who resist the Holy Ghost. Consequently, they don't produce any fruit in their lives, and as a result of that, they lose reward. I don't do this very often, but I want to give you a personal testimony in this regard. Back around in August sometime, I was out praying, and, and when I say out praying, I, 
it's just my habit I, I, I seem to focus better when I take a walk <clears throat> and I'll go on you know three four five mile walks sometimes even more and I just spend time with the Lord. I, you, you may sound sounds crazy that, you know, with the cars passing by and different things going on, I have an easier time concentrating and focusing on praying uh, about the Lord or praying to the Lord than I do kneeling in my office or in my bedroom. I just, I just have, I just, I don't know what it is. It's just all these things start uh, going into my mind and so forth, and when I'm out and about, I can I can pray better. But nonetheless, I was out and I was praying, and and just as normal, I was assessing my own spiritual life, and there came the thought to mind, a prompting of the Holy Spirit that <clears throat> I wanted to to have a better prayer life. I wanted to be more effective in my prayers. I began to ask the Lord to help me to be to be better in my prayer life, to be more effective. And when that thought came, uh, when I was praying that, then a thought came to immediately to mind that if I ask that, the Lord's going to put me through some hard trial. Some things very unpleasant, uh, unpleasant things came to mind. And I didn't want to go through those things, those hard trials, so I stopped praying for a better prayer life. When within my own heart, I, I, I asked, why did I stop? And then immediately the answer came back that I feared the Lord. And then when I said, I feared the Lord in my own heart, this verse came to mind, thou wicked servant. And I tell you what, that shook me to my core. I, 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 the tears just welled up in my, my eyes as to why I would even think such a thing. That thought, that, that verse came to mind, for I feared thee because thou art an austere man, and thou takest up where thou layest not down, and reapest where thou didst not sow. And then the thought came to me after, after thou, thou wicked servant, I said, oh my, is that really what I think the Lord is? And, and, you know, all of this time, this is, I, I was silent for probably about a, a mile, and I just walked, and my, my heart was just just broken, because I had this thought, and, and when I had this thought of, of not wanting to go through that because I feared the Lord, I didn't want Him to put on me some of these things that were going through my mind, and then that thought, oh, wicked servant... And I finally, after a period of time, I said, I know the Lord's good. And I know that he always wants the best for me. And though it may be a, by a hard trial, I know that whatever he's going to do, he wants to do something to produce in me what he wants me to be. Or it may not. He may not put me through any of those things. But you know what I did? I prejudged the Lord. And I, and I feared. The verse that we had been memorizing in a church, uh, our church tries to memorize portions of Scripture, and this, uh, this verse came to mind. I said, O Lord my God, in Thee do I put my trust. And I was just, you know, in, in a heart of contrition, just confessing to the Lord, Lord, I really do trust You. I, I really do trust You. 
and and I you know I asked him to forgive me and so forth and some other verses came to mind trust in the Lord with all thine heart lean not to thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths in preparing for this message I, I this thought came to my mind how many times have I said to people be careful what you pray for you pray for patience you're liable to get get you know trials and so forth so that you can learn patience and how is that a bad thing to avoid why why would I ever say be careful what you pray for in avoiding to pray for patience it's kind of contrary you know I, I tell you what some of the best lessons that I've ever had were when I was seeing you know how, how you you know I have five kids and so forth and when they were young I tell you what they they put my patience to the to the test and and there were times <laughs> I was I don't know if this ever happened to you but I know it's happened to me several times where I'm I'm upset with my kids because of of their actions and all of a sudden at that particular time the Lord speaks to your my heart and it says that's what you're doing to me and I'm sending an oh man <laughs> oh Lord you know, and 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 I've had I've had people, at, you know, coworkers and so forth that I just get so irritated with the way they're acting and the way they're talking and the way they're doing this and and all of this stuff and and then all of a sudden the Lord just puts the zinger and He says, "That's you. I put them there to show you what you're doing." And I said, "Oh Lord, some of the best lessons I've ever had were from people that were irritating me, putting me through some things." That being said, how many Christians have been prompted to consecrate and dedicate themselves to the Lord and surrender all? And Lord, I'm yours and so forth, and I want to be your servant, and I want to do this, but all of a sudden when they, they start thinking about it, what it might cost them, they held back because they didn't want to pay the price it may cost them. I'm not saying it will. I'm not saying God's going to put some hard thing on you, but he might. And you know what? We fear the Lord the wrong way. Now, we're supposed to fear the Lord, but the fear of the Lord leads us to do right, not wrong. When you fear the Lord and you hold back, you're fearing the Lord the wrong way. How many Christians have been prompted to be a better soul winner? Yet they uh, they think about what it may cost them if they talk to their family or if they talk to their co-workers. And you know what? They hold back. They hold back. You know, what, what, what is it going to cost you if somebody gives you the, the, the one-finger salute or somebody yells and screams at you when you're out there on the street corner and, and preaching on the street or handing out gospel tracts? You know, people just... They, they fear what it may cost them, and they hold back, all because they're afraid. And you know what they do when they, when they become afraid the wrong way? They become like that wicked servant, and they hide the working of the Holy Spirit in their life. And in, in essence, they accuse the Lord of being an austere man. 
There are many other examples of the Holy Spirit's prompting us to do something and all we think of are the negative things that could come from it and we hide it in a napkin. I want you to understand and I want you to mark this down. God is a good God. And he knows what is best for you and he knows what's best for me. I tell you what, we should fear the Lord the right way to to do right instead of doing wrong. We should trust the Lord with all our heart and lean not into our own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Thanks guys. Appreciate the opportunity. Amen. Thanks, Steve. Um, boy, there, there's, I think, something there for everyone, and including me. <laughs> so uh, let's go to Pastor Strobel. Well, I want to recommend, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, to take the opportunity right now just to have a little personal invitation time after a message. Uh, when we have preaching at our churches, we still do invitations. Amen. In the invitation time, people, some of them will come forward uh, while the music is playing, usually music is playing, and they'll come forward and kneel and pray at the altar. Some will stay at their seats um, and stand, and, and there's a lot of people that will stand, and they'll they'll actually be talking to the Lord right there, and some will sit, and some even sometimes kneel at their seats. But the, uh, the idea of an invitation is it gives you an opportunity to immediately deal with what God has dealt with you about. And I trust that the Lord has dealt with you about something uh, during this message. So what you could do for the podcast is you could just pause it and just start talking to the Lord about it. And then after you've gotten all that out and you come back in, come back, listen to the rest of it. Um, and Steve, Brother Steve took us on a great journey, uh, starting with a uh, uh, great job of laying out the differences between those parables in the uh, parables of the kingdom of heaven, the one of the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 25, and the one of the kingdom of God in uh, Luke chapter 19. And then uh, leading you on to this personal testimony and... Um, seeing himself in that uh, wicked servant, which we probably have all been there, if we'll just be honest. But to the point about praying for patience, I appreciate the fact that the Lord spoke to him about that, because I I have been troubled, you know, about people when they they say that, they say, don't pray for patience, don't pray for patience. I'm like, why aren't we supposed to pray for what we need? need?" (laughs) And they always come back on that because tribulation worketh patience, right? And so, well, if you're praying for patience, you're just asking God for tribulation. And what they don't get is the whole the whole passage that says tribulation work with patience. Because at the end of this is Romans chapter five, and that's verse three. At the end of verse three, and let me start with the beginning of verse three, because the beginning of verse three says this, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Amen. Why? Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The end of that thing is is hope and the love of God uh, being shed abroad by the Holy Ghost in your heart. So if, if that's what we have to go through to get there, hey, praise the Lord. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10 talks about after that you have suffered a while, that the Lord establish, strengthen, settle you. 
And some folks never get settled because they don't work their way through the tribulations trusting in the Lord. Amen. And we're going to have them down here. Whether you want them or not, whether you pray for patience or not, there are going to be tribulation down here on this earth, personal tr- troubles and trials and tribulations. You just got to learn how to deal with them. And once you learn how to deal with them, the way you get through one is going to be the way you get through the next. How, how do I get through them? How does anybody really get through them? By putting faith in the Lord, casting your burdens upon him, getting in the Bible and, and reading until it begins to minister to your soul, uh, having prayer till the burden is off, and then having faith that, that God will take care of you. You just plug into God until he's got your burdens, and, and, and you watch him get you through. And then the details of the burdens may be different, and the troubles and trials may be different next time. But uh, you know what? What's going to happen is you're going to recognize, well, you know what? I got through a bad time before, and and that's how I got through it, by doing those things. Now I'm going to do this again. And and that experience gives you hope that no matter what comes down the pike, by the grace of God, God can get you through it. And look, I know there's a lot of things that come, can come down the pike, but the Lord can get us through all of it, and that's his promise. Amen. There's no temptation you know, taking you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So he is faithful. And uh, when Brother Steve just proclaimed, just saying, you know what, all these things, God is good. I mean, I just out loud said amen and just lifted up my hands to the Lord because he is good. He's always good. And our circumstances never diminish the goodness of God. Amen. Whatever we're going through, he's always the same good. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, it, and it's good to be on his side and have him on our side. A lot, a lot more we could say about that, but I, I love where he brought us to, and I'm going to leave it right there. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thanks. <clears throat> thanks, Steve. We, we do appreciate the message, and um, that's one I'm, I'm going to have to listen to again. Amen. I, uh, I appreciate it. All right, well, then until next time, pray that uh, you'll join us again for the next episode and bring that Matt's going to be able to make it back with us, Pastor Matt. He'll be able to make it back with us on, a, on an episode as well coming up soon. But in the meantime, we'll, uh, Lord willing, we'll see you soon. This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at thatsinthebible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on. Coming soon, morning or night or noon, many will many will meet their doom. Trumpets will trumpets will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise, righteous be in the skies. Going where going where no one dies, heavenward bound. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or.
shall rise, righteous be in the skies. Go 